0: Went up a little bit this morning. Uh, the uh, both both of those songs are old songs, and they're both great songs, and they're they're really not that hard. But they're they're new for us, and so uh, I asked Bob to do the one on our Christ, our one foundation, uh, because that's that's the truth. We have no foundation that's not Christ. So I heard that this week in uh, at the conference I was at. I believe on the first day, and uh, I remembered it, and I text Bob and asked him if he thought he could uh, pull that up and begin to teach us on Sunday, so I appreciate him doing that. Matthew chapter 23. Thank you' all so much. I preached in the dark last week, so I've got some light this morning. Matthew chapter 23: "Like Father, like son, like Father, like son, uh, you're not from the deep south. If you're not probably from, uh, uh, yeah, the, the uh, I, I'm trying to find the right word to tell you, but I, I can't, I can't find it. But uh, there's an old saying: the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. And and I can tell you that that is the truth. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, daddies that's fathered kids and hadn't been around them for twenty years, and they find them as an adult same mannerisms, same actions. So what I want us to look at this morning, and want to learn from the eighth woe is uh, we want to be sure that we are not influenced uh, from, from our past in a negative way. And we also want to be sure that we live in such a way that our children we influence in a positive direction. So that's a little bit of a, a practical about it. But this is, this is the eighth woe. This is the last woe that we'll be looking at. Uh, we've got two more sermons. We'll wrap up chapter 23. But the first uh, woe was, was uh, making salvation hard for people. He, he told the scribes and Pharisees, you're not saved and you're keeping others from being saved. Now, the, the second woe is not found in the Matthew account. It's found in the Luke account. And that was the one that you impress the widows with your your holiness and with your prayers. All the time you're just trying to draw them in so you can get something from them. That was the second one. Gaining proselytes and not making disciples or converts. And thus making that person twice a child of the devil. Plotting for gain. Majoring on the minor and neglecting justice, faith, mercy, a love for God. And living a godly life. Clean on the outside. I'm sorry. Yeah, clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Whitewashed on the outside. Looking good on the outside. Rotten on the inside. But today we come to the final and the one that kind of explains it all. Today we're looking at murdering the prophets like your fathers did. Murdering your prophets like their fathers did. So all of these actions we can say, see now are, are just uh, what's called in this, this scripture a filling up of uh, the combined sins. They just keep, in, they just keep on filling up their, the, the wrath of God against them to the point that God finally says enough's enough. Enough's enough. And so that's what we go about doing. If we're not people who are qu- quick to repent, and turn and follow God and continue to be quick to repent and turn to follow God, what we'll be doing, we'll just be storing up and filling up the sins in our life until God finally says enough is enough. And I want to tell you, that happens in individual lives. That happens in the lives of churches. And that happens in nations. There's going to be a day that God says "Enough's enough. And the only way to fix that is repent and believe the gospel. Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. You talk about a hypocritical statement. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second, okay? I'm going to let you dwell, dwell on that for just a second. What a hypocritical statement that was. And Jesus, of all people, knew exactly how hypocritical it was. Because he knew what their plans were. He knew what was going to happen in a few days. They weren't going to murder the prophets. They were going to murder the pro- one that the prophets were talking about. Christ himself. The scribes and the Pharisees, you've got to get the picture now. They rebuilt and maintained the graves or the sepulcher of the Lord's prophets from the past. Whenever they could find where a prophet was buried, they took care of it. They decorated it. They put things there. They put monuments there. They, 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 they do that for these prophets who had been mistreated and killed by their ancestors. The scribes and Pharisees before them. The religious leaders of the Jews is who we're talking about. Prophets who had testified to the truths of God. You know what? You know what? Enemies of God hate is the truth. Think about it for a second. I I heard a A quote this week and everything tom and i were exposed to plus what we weren't exposed to they had eight or ten breakout sessions every day so we couldn't go but to one of those and we couldn't go but to six of them out of how many of the head but all of those will be online so i heard some great quotes from uh uh, daryl harrison this week (laughs) this was this was a quote okay How bad people hate truth. To believe that two plus two is absolutely four is racist and insensitive. Are y'all women? A quote from a professor. Listen, when two plus two is not four, When a biological man is not a man, and a biological woman is not a woman, listen, there is no truth. Are you all here this morning? The world hates truth. They really hate the truth of God's Word, because that's the only absolute truth. There is no absolute truth anymore. The sepulchers of men who died for living a godly life. Verse 31. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. They had already confessed that they were descendants of those who killed the prophets. They called them their fathers. Your behavior towards me and my disciples. Listen to this now. Jesus is speaking Your behavior towards me and my disciples testify that you are children of those who kill the prophets. You have the same spirit and are full of the same malice and long-standing bitterness as your ancestors. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 5, chapter 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. I want you to see who we are without Christ. Are y'all ready for this? I'm, I'm going I'm to read you two scriptures to let you know who we are without Christ. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 6. Uh, I'm going to get it. Chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the who? I'll go down to verse 8. But God shows His love for us, and while we were still, what? What did Christ do? So we were weak, we were ungodly, we were sinners. Look, look down at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, okay? So so what? I, what I want you to see from this scripture is that... That is the kind of spirit we had before we became followers of Christ. And that's the kind of spirit that they, they had. Now go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 1. And so, if, if God doesn't raise us up out of this, if we don't become followers of Christ, this defines who we are. And that's who we came into the world as, and that's who we continue to, 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 to be until we're saved out of that. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, listen to this, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. That's who they were. And that's what we will be until Christ lifts us up out of the deadness and out of the mire and the muck and gives us a new heart and a new spirit and we become followers of Christ. That's that's who we'll be. And that's who these people were. They were full of malice and bitterness as their ancestors. They killed them. He said, you bury them and keep their graves adorned. You have the same self-serving, truth-hating, prophet-killing spirit that your fathers did. They were just passing it down from one generation to the other. Uh, Trusting in their own righteousness, trusting in what they did in their, their, their religious work. Now, verse 33 gets pretty pointed. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't suggest that we do what Christ did here, uh, but, but he can t- sometimes be pretty specific. Look, look what he says in verse 33. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? You want, you want to know what the answer to that is? They will not escape hell unless they repent of their ways and turn to Christ for salvation. It won't happen. Here Jesus is recalling the words of John the Baptist. You see it there. I think I've got that text for you. John the Baptist said, but when he saw the, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come, to come? Jesus indicates that these people... The scribes and Pharisees of that day were ripe for judgment. Judgment was imminent. I, I just want you to, you know, we've been in uh, Burbank or Los Angeles, and so the first morning, uh, from about four o'clock on, uh, I was I was right off the uh, the lobby of of the motel. I found a little spot to get down there. And and so I was just impressed in what I saw. People just going out into the world with no concern about eternity. No thoughts about eternity. Now, think about Jan's song, you know, The Days of Noah. No concern about eternity. He says they're ripe for destruction. You're vipers. And will not escape hell. Without repentance, turning to God in faith, nobody will escape hell. No one. So what can we learn from this text? These... Religious leaders pretended a great deal of kindness for the memory they had of the prophets that were dead and gone. Yet they hate and persecute those present with them. Now, I want you to... I think we're going to see some interesting things here as we look at this. So what they were doing, they were showing themselves to be children of their fathers. They were just perpetuating it from one generation to the other. Look good, act good, do the right things. But what, what we learned last week about on the inside? It was dirty and it was rotten. And all of this, uh, all of this uh, no, warning, no absolute truth uh, uh, that, that I was thinking about a minute ago, and I, I want to say this before I move on is uh, for there to be an absolute truth, there has to be an authority figure somewhere. And that authority figure is God. And so that's what they hate. And so uh, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy that there's no absolute truth. Your kids are being taught there's no absolute truth. This is the last woe because it reveals who they are. And once it's revealed who we are, are you ready? Judgment's coming if we're not Christ. They honored and pretended to respect the prophets, past prophets. They honored the dead prophets. All the while knowing that their fathers spoke ill of them. The prophets that their fathers hated and murdered. Now, just think about this for a second. Worldly people can easily honor the memories of faithful ministers that are dead and gone. You know, there's, there's no, uh, no fear of men that are dead and gone. Now listen. The reason that they can love ministers and prophets that are dead and gone is because they're no longer around to remind them of their sins. You know who they hated? They hated the ones that were there in their generation that reminded them of their uncleanness and of their sins. Revelation 11:10, I read to you. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. Listen, prophets, preachers, ministers who preach the truth to those people on earth that are not repentant will be hated. They can respect the writings of the dead prophets which tell them what they should be, but they cannot stand the words of the living prophets who tell them what they're doing and who they are. Nobody wants to be called out in their sin. Do you know what? That's exactly the people we ought to be looking for to teach us and to preach preach to us. Listen, preaching on sin is positive. It's not negative. Repentance is the only thing that will save you from sin. You won't need to know that you need to to repent until you're told that. They knew the fault of it, that they they loved the people of the past, yet they themselves were guilty of the same thing that their ancestors had been killed for. But Christ turns it on them. In Acts seven fifty one, you remember what it says there. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. As your fathers did, so do you. <clears throat> so if we have good godly parents in our background, those who tried to live for the Lord and set the proper example, we're to be blessed. But what if we didn't have those type of parents? We don't need to pass that on. Malice, envy, cruelty were bred in these people's bones. Their ancestors were truly their fathers. Have y'all not read the Old Testament prophets lately? How they were mistreated? How they were killed? How they were abused? That's what we're talking about here. We'll see this in just a second. Their sentence is passed upon them. Christ knew that they were now planning His death. That in a few days they would bring it about, His death. And listen to what He he says. He says, just go ahead and do what you got to do. Remember Judas came into the garden? You know what he came into the garden? He came in there to, to, be, to expose who Jesus was, and, and he did that. He'd been bought. And so when he came into the garden and, and revealed who Jesus was, just do what you've got to do, he was filling up his sin. He was making known what his sin was. He says, just go ahead and do what you got to do. See what will come of it. He tells them, you're sealing your own fate. Go ahead and do what you got to do. But know that there's a judgment coming. He relates that their ruin is sealed. Look at verse 33 again. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape, the, escape being sentenced to hell? Here again the words of John the Baptist. But when he saw many of the Pharisees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come? Listen. They were being warned about the wrath to come, but they were paying no heed to it. So Jesus is indicating that their destruction was imminent. Now, Jesus usually speaks with a lot of kindness and grace and mercy. But he can and will speak Terah. Listen, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to hear on the day of judgment, Away from me, do evildoers, I never knew you. And so they were coming to that place. Jesus can and will speak Terah. Here Jesus is summing up the eight woes. First he calls them serpents. He knows what is in every man. He does. A man can, have, he can look good on the inside, but who knows what's on the... He can look good on the outside, but Jesus knows what really is on the inside, does He not? He knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. He knew that they were rotten. He knew that they had poison under their tongues. He knew that they were a seed of the devil. They were just another generation of vipers. That's all they were. They were what their ancestors were. And secondly, he says, here's your doom. Here's your doom. There is no escaping hell without repentance and turning to God. And they were not willing to repent of what their ancestors had done and what they were doing. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your hands? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's going to come a day of judgment. God's going to test the heart. And this is is the end of all those who are unrepentant. And that's what the the prophets, I'm sorry, that's what the scribes and Pharisees' problem were. They were not repentant. When called out, they wouldn't repent. They had no desire to repent. But there is a way to escape. There's a way to escape judgment. And that's repent of our sins and turn to God in faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Become followers of Jesus. There is a way to escape judgment. Of all sinners, the one most likely to escape judgment are those like the scribes and the Pharisees who were self-righteous. They thought good of themselves. The people who think good of themselves are not likely to escape judgment. You've got to think low of yourself. You've got to see yourself as a sinner. And I know nobody wants to do that. But that's what we are. And as long as we think our goodness, is, our righteousness, of our own righteousness is going to get us into heaven, we're not likely to repent. There's nothing but Christ and His death and His blood and His righteousness that will get us into heaven. People who are sold on themselves, really people who are sold on themselves, they hate Christ and His gospel. They have no desire to be searched. There's so many people hiding behind, I believe in God. Those hiding behind church membership. We started talking about this, but making a twice a child of the devil. Those people who, who think that they've done two or three things that would make them right with God, like coming forward, saying a prayer, and getting baptized, yet there's no, been no change of the heart, are hiding behind something they've done or their own goodness rather than being clothed with the righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe in the gospel, His righteousness is given to us. We studied this in Sunday school on, on Wednesday night, the righteousness of Christ that's given to us. Just, just, look at, just look at obituaries in the paper. They were a member of so-and-so church. But yet they do not know Christ nor love Christ. These people had heard the prophets speaking of Christ. They'd heard the prophets talk about repent, turn to God. They didn't want to do that. They didn't love the coming Messiah. They weren't looking for the becoming Messiah. They, they didn't think they needed Him. Tax collectors and harlots are better off than self-righteous people. Did you hear me? Tax collectors and harlots are better off than self-righteous people. You know why? They know themselves to be sinners. That's what the prophets were telling them, even in the Old Testament. See the Messiah to come. Tax collectors and harlots are more likely to turn in repentance and faith to Christ and to God than those self-righteous. These people who do turn to Christ, turn away from their sins and turn to God in faith and put their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and His work in His life and His death on the cross, those harlots and those tax collectors would escape the damnation of hell when the righteous would not, the self-prescribed righteous. So what can we learn from this today? Look in your Bibles, uh, you don't have the scripture, look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 23 verse 34. It's one chapter out of our text today, but just, just turn there, Matthew 23 verse 34. So this is, this is kind of a summary. For those who are unrepentant, there is a measure of sin yet to be filled up to be done Judas had to come into the garden and he had to portray Jesus had to kiss him on the cheek and reveal who Jesus was before utter ruin comes upon persons families, churches and nations their sin has to be filled up it has to be finished look at verse 34 therefore I send prophets and wise men and scribes some whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So, that was about to happen. So, up until verse 33, he was talking about things that had happened. Are you with me? And now in verse 34, he's going to begin to talk about what's about to happen in their day and time. He's going to deal with them. Judgment's going to come upon them. And it came upon them 40 years later with the destruction of Jerusalem and really the destruction of the Jewish nation. The time had been, they had. When did they fill up their sin? When they did what? When they nailed Christ to the cross. All of those that the prophets had talked about was Christ. They completed it. They they revealed without a doubt who they were when they crucified Christ. So there's a measure of sin to be filled up before utter ruin comes upon persons and families and churches and nations. You, You know what utter ruin is? It's not a financial collapse. It's not going absolutely broke. It's not losing everything that we have. Utter ruin is dying without Christ. That's utter and eternal ruin. We should have sang Amazing Grace this morning. We ought to sing it every, every Sunday morning. When we've been there 10,000 years... You know what we're talking about? When we've been there 10,000 years worshiping God, it's only beginning for us. But utter ruin is when you've been there 10,000 years in hell and there's no way to escape. That's utter ruin. <laughs> we've never we've never spoken of utter ruin that way in America, have we? We talked about utter ruin in America, talking about when we lose everything we got here. That's utter ruin for most people. 1 Thessalonians 2.16 By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But look at this. But wrath has come upon them at last. Are y'all with me? For those unrepentant, for those that are unbelieving, wrath will come upon them at the last. And I I think back to that uh, Revelation scripture. In Revelation, when the two two witnesses are destroyed, uh, people rejoice over that. But why? They hated their message. I think the most positive thing in the world that a preacher can preach is repent and turn to God. God will bear low with me and you and with nations, with churches. But there will come a time He'll bear no longer. We'll be called to account. Jeremiah 44:22 The Lord could no longer bear your evil deeds and the abominations that you committed. Therefore your hand has become a desolation and a waste and a curse. Without inhabitant as it is to this day. So they have arrived at their day of reckoning. There is a day of reckoning. We need to prepare ourselves and we need to prepare our children for that. Children will fill up the measure of their father's sins for sure. Are y'all with me? Children will continue in the way that they were raised if it was ungodly. They'll fill up their father's sins without God's grace unless he snatches us up out of the mire and the muck. But listen. But the, we don't have to fill up the measure of our sins. If we don't persist in the same actions, if we don't persist in the same sins of our ancestors and we repent and turn to God, we don't fill up our sins, we turn from our sins And we're forgiven of our sins. So God justly visits the sins of the fathers upon the children. Now listen to this. That walk in the same sin. That follow their ungodly behavior. Are y'all with me? The way we escape our father's past is to repent of our past and turn to God. God justly visits the sins of the fathers upon the children that walk in the past sins that they walked in. Persistently walking in willful and known sins will lead to God's judgment. And so you see see the culmination of all these woes? You see where it's leading? To divine judgment. Persecuting Christ and His people and His ministers is the sin that fills up the measure of the nation's guilt sooner than any other thing that you can do. So let me tell you just a couple of things that uh, these people had done in the past. I don't want to leave this out. So let's just talk for a second about uh, what happened in the past. Do you remember when uh, Amos was silenced? Do you remember the imprisonment of Micaiah? Do you remember the putting of Hananiah in the stocks? Do you remember Jeremiah in the dungeon? The mocking of all the messengers of God. you remember that? That's why the Old Testament is so important. You see what has happened in the past. And so what, what these people say is, we would have never done that. They, they say if we'd had the opportunities of our ancestors, we would have done better. If they'd been tempted like other people, they would have been determined to resist. You know, sometimes sometimes we think if we'd lived when Christ lived, we would have we'd have really followed him. We think we would have not despised and rejected him as they did. But here's what Christ is telling us in, in this scripture. Christ in the Word and in the Spirit and in his ministers, is for the most part treated no better today. Are you all with me? People still hate the ministers of God's Word who speak the truth and call people to salvation. They still do that today. The third summary is this, persecuting Christ and his people, and his ministers. Now listen carefully. Let me, let me, let me read that a little more uh, determined. Persecuting Christ and his people and his ministers is a sin that fills up the measure of a nation's guilt sooner than any other. What brought ruin on the Jewish nation? the killing of Christ, the mistreatment of the prophets. In church, I believe we're in those days that you're going to see that people who hold to the absolute truth of God's Word will be persecuted. Well, well I'll tell you what, what, they're, what they're doing right now is is anybody who holds firmly to the truth, they'll do their best to counsel, just cancel them. Persecuting those who live godly lives. This was what brought on their fathers punishment. Second Chronicles thirty six, sixteen. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his word and scoffing at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. Are y'all with me? There comes a day when there's no remedy. We're not there yet. You're not there yet if you're still alive. There's still time to repent. The Lord would not turn away the punishment. And let me tell you the last thing. It is just with God to give those up to their own heart's lust. When when we do not repent, when we do not Turn to God in repentance and faith. He is just in giving us what we deserve. You know what we deserve? I think I heard it a couple of times this week. Uh, I I remember a young a young man in the church when he was a a little boy said, "Preacher, we, we don't want what we deserve." You know what we deserve? Death, hell, and eternal punishment. That's what we deserve. But by God's grace and mercy, we can receive forgiveness and we can receive eternal life. We don't deserve that. Christ bought that, paid the penalty for us that we could have that. But that's not what we deserve. Those who knowingly run down the wide path will get what they deserve. He is just. For God to allow a man to go his own way is the saddest condition a man can be on this side of hell. You know what, men, you know what our our prayers need to be? God, don't let me follow my inclination and my desires. Restrain me, O Lord. Guide me, O Lord. Don't let me go my own way. So what are the applications? Individuals will continue down the path of their fathers without the grace of God. You know, just stop. Just, just go back in, in your life. Uh, I think back to my life. Good, honest people. Uh, no concern for the Lord or His church at all. At all what kept me from continuing down that path of having no interest in in God the grace of God mercy undeserved mercy and all we can say is thank you lord i mean i've got i've got i have I had one other cousin and uh And then Jeannie has a, a cousin, <laughs> and I have a cousin that we're cousins of, and I think late in his life, I think, I think he turned to the Lord. But not much turning to the Lord because that's not, was, that wasn't passed on to us. You know, and, and then here's what I've got to do with that. I've got to keep from being prideful about that when it wasn't nothing but the grace of God. Are you, are you men with me? Families will continue down the path they've been taught and lived without the grace of God. I mean, it takes the grace of God to turn from going your own way and turn and go into God's way. The grace of God. If grandpa didn't serve the Lord, had no time for the Lord, if dad had no time for the Lord, never turned to the Lord, had no concerns about the church of God, only grace will change that. churches will continue down the path they're on, good or bad. Listen, if they're not committed to being radically obedient and uncompromising when it comes to the Word of God, the only thing that will hold a church steadfast is a commitment to the absolute, perfect, sufficient, inerrant Scripture. Scripture. only thing uh, hey listen in the day and time when there's no absolute truth only thing's going to hold us I am surprised it's not an illegal book yet I'm really surprised I, I, I don't know where they're going with it Uh, This is absolutely true. Genesis 1 and 2 is absolutely true. That's exactly the way it happened. That's exactly the way God set it up. And it has not changed. Nations will continue down the path their own without the grace of God. Unless God falls on this country with a spirit of revival, unless he rends the heavens and comes, this nation will continue on a downward spiral. Matthew 6.33 This is what we need to do. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So these, these are some pretty hard questions I'm going to ask right now. Realizing that we're passing something on. Amen. So dad, mom, is your first priority living a godly life and living for God? Because there's little eyes watching. Amen. What example are you setting Dad, moms, are you raising your kids to live a godly life? Church, do we have our priorities straight? Know God, love God, live godly lives for His glory and enjoy Him forever? Are we, like Bob saying, you know, we can be doing all kinds of good things, but not have our priorities straight? Are we taking advantage of all the graces to ensure that we do not continue in our past sins? The past sins of our ancestors and to live a godly life that God has called us to live. So like father, like son, an acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. If we're not determined to do differently, if we don't have the grace of God, we'll be just like our fathers. And you know, what we, what we fathers and you mothers that are raising families got to realize that your kids most likely, most likely are going to do it just exactly the way that you're doing it. God's word was a priority in your life it will be a priority in their life if the church had a place of priority in your life it would probably have a place of priority in their life huh is that not what this scripture is all about who were the, who were these guys that killed Christ they were children of their ancestors that had killed the prophets Repent and believe the gospel. Get on the narrow path. Make Jesus Lord and Savior. Work at serving Him and others. Be quick to repent and turn to God in faith. Worship as a family. And talk talk today about the way we've done things. Sit down today and talk about the way you've done things. Talk about the ways that we ought to do things. Talk about the ways that we and our children might live for His glory and enjoy Him forever. Today's the day to make a change if you need to make a change. Today's the day that you need to sit down with your kids and and get your priorities straight and talk to them about the priorities. Not tomorrow. Not next year. I can tell you, those kids that... uh, Carlos came walking into the church this morning. He came in in the womb. He came in walking this morning. They'll blink their eye and that boy will be gone. If you haven't done it right, just gather your kids up. It doesn't matter what age they are. Tell them you had not done it right. Make the commitment to do better to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to love His church, to live for Him, to live for His glory. Like Father, like Son. Mm. May God bless the preaching of His Word.